We all ask questions. Why is the sky blue? What happened to all the dinosaurs? What was the best thing before sliced bread? But some questions are more important than others. How do I forgive someone even when I feel like I can't? What's my purpose in life? How can I be the parent God wants me to be and the one my kids need me to be? So where do we turn? To the one that has all the answers. We'll tackle some of life's most complex issues and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Glenn Wolf. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and it's so good to see you this morning, especially those that are here for the very first time or those that might be watching us online. Come on, City Church. Can we welcome all of our first-time guests and those that might be watching us online? Welcome home. We're good to see you. We are in part two of a series entitled, You Asked For It, all right? And, and uh, so how did we come up with this series? Well, last Easter, we uh, asked you anonymously, what question would you want to hear from our pastoral team? We don't want to answer questions that you're not asking. We want to make sure that we're answering the questions that are on your mind and on your heart. And so we took in hundreds and hundreds of questions, and we came up with the top six. And so last week, we looked at prayer. And today, our second most asked question, I'll tell you the topic in just a second. And uh, so here's the deal. If you don't like what we say these uh, next few weeks, guess what? Too bad. Because why? Because you asked for it, all right? And so I just thought that was funny. It just gives me a... It's good. So, man, I'm excited to share this, this topic. This is a passion of mine, which makes it hard to preach in 30 minutes. Uh, but this topic has uh, ruined more marriages than any other topic out there. And so it's serious. It, it doesn't surprise me that this was the second most asked question. This topic has crippled our nation, has, uh, has weakened it. And, um, oh. and also, uh, this topic does not grow on trees, and it won't buy you happiness. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's, it's money, right? We're going to talk about money. In fact, the question that you asked was this, was how do I manage my money? Now, I want to be clear. The, the question wasn't how do I get out of debt? The question was how do I manage my money? So I want to stay as true to that question as I possibly can today. And so would you help me? I need, I need prayer and help today to do this in 30 minutes. Y'all ready? Come on, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we ask that you would move in our hearts this morning and that, God, we would never be the same. Lord, I pray that, God, the principles that are here that are outlined in your word will forever change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to give you a couple facts about money when it comes to our American culture today. According to the U.S. Reserves and the, the 2016 fiscal year, our country is $19.3 trillion in debt. So we can't learn finances from our government, okay? We just, let's just start there, all right? We can't do that. It is it is. It is ongoing as our debt load gets higher. Can I tell you, that's a problem. If you were $19.3 trillion in debt, somebody's going to come after you somewhere. That's a, that is a problem, all right? They, we can't just overlook it. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that, okay? Uh, next one, let me tell you about our American culture and just some, some stats about us personally. The average American debt load is $132,000. 
Let me give you, how does that break down? Well, uh, the average credit card debt is $15,310. Those interest rates are crazy. Uh, some of y'all going, yep, I get it. Uh, the average American student loan, which I still have some student loans that I'm trying to pay off, is $48,986. It's the average American student loan. The average auto loan, this one hurts me, is $27,188. We have mortgage payments for cars in our country. We're trying to impress people we don't know with money we don't have, right? Hey, you asked for it. I'm just saying in advance. <laughs> so listen to this stat. This is according to the U.S. Reserves, and this, uh, this study was done in 2015. Listen to this. Nearly half of Americans couldn't cover a $400 emergency expense without borrowing money today. One out of two people right now in America could not cover uh, their emergency expense. And maybe you're there today, and I'm here to tell you um, that, uh, that there's hope. And also, I think we all can come in agreement that it's important for us to learn how to manage money, isn't it? It is important as a country, and it's definitely important as Christians that we learn how to manage our money. Well, let me ask you this. What about you? If I threw your stats up there, what would it say? What would your credit card payment be or student loan be or whatever the thing might be? Nobody would probably want to throw it up there, right? And that's okay. We're going to talk about that because we're going to get financially sound. And I want to help you today do that. And here's the exciting thing about this subject is that God has a lot to say about money. He has a lot to say about managing our money. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I don't have to just learn from my textbooks, but that I can actually find managerial principles in God's word that will help me along in the long run. Y'all excited about that? And so uh, I don't care who you are today. Maybe you're 19, maybe you're 15, maybe you're about to retire, maybe you're, maybe you're a single mom, maybe you're married. I, I don't know where you might be today, but I think we all can come in agreement that we need to learn more about what God says about money, and we need to position ourselves in a position where we can make great impact in our city, not only just spiritually, but financially, right? And so I want you to imagine with me just for a moment before we get into this handout, I want you to imagine with me you are debt-free. I saw hands raised. All right, somebody just broke out in glory right there when I said that, okay? Imagine with me you are debt-free, Imagine with me you do not have a credit card payment. Imagine with me that your house is paid off. Imagine with me that you are doing your best to position yourselves and teaching your kids principles of, of money, right? Imagine your self-tithing. Imagine yourself being able to be generous with the people that are in need. Imagine the, everybody has at least one family member that's typically struggling. Sometimes we're the family member that's struggling, right? Life happens. But imagine if you're in a position to be able to help those in need. Here's what I want to tell you. You can be, and we can be. In fact, I know, and, 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 and I pray that you get this. We do not have to always be in debt. And you don't always have to have an auto loan payment. And we don't always have to be paying crazy interest to somebody. We can position ourselves to get there. And I want to help you with that today to the best of my ability. In fact, I got a resource for you that I encourage you to read. It's called Total Money Makeover. It's by an author and, uh, and 
radio host, his name is Dave Ramsey. He also has a, has a, has a class that I'll tell you about a little bit later today. These are resources that you can use, but I want to see you get financially strong. And um, so let's just start out. Can you pull, go ahead and pull out your hand now? Class is officially in session. It's hilarious. Um, I don't know why it is, but it's funny to me. And I'm going to look at, I want to, first of all, I want to talk to you about four things that God says about money. I don't know what you may think about money. We're not going to look at what the government thinks about money. Let's go to the word. And let's hear what God says about money. Here's the first thing that you need to know about money. These are important. Is this money is not evil. Let me just say that again. Money is not evil. First Timothy six is one of the most unquoted or uh, misquoted verses in the Bible. Money is not evil. What does the Bible say? It says the love of money. And it doesn't just say the love of money is, is like kind of evil. It actually says the love of money is the root of all other evil. In fact, the, the, the scripture goes on to say that people started covered, coveting after it. And actually they were so in love with money that they fell away from the faith. And if you don't, if you know anything about the Bible, Timothy is actually a, a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. He's a pastor. These are called pastoral epistles. In fact, this is not a letter necessarily for you. This is a letter for the pastors. And he's telling Timothy here, hey, guard your church because your church is going to want to fall in love with money. And if they fall in love with money, it's the root of all evil. And eventually they won't even be in the faith anymore. But I want to be clear, money is not evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Number two is this, debt will enslave you. Debt will enslave you. Now, this is not a salvation issue. Debt will not not save you, all right? You're saved whether you have debt or not. If you put your faith and trust in him, he has saved you, but he's also wanting to redeem you and every part of you, including your finances. But I'm here to tell you, you can still be saved and still be in bondage. And you still are not free financially, all right? But debt will enslave you. Let me just be clear. God does not like debt, just period. You can't get around it. You can't find that anywhere. There's, no, there's, not, there's never where a good thing where it happens. Obviously, it happens, and we don't want it to, and we want to get out of debt because the Bible says, let me show it to you in Scripture, Proverbs 20, 22, 7 says, Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. And today, maybe you would love to do more things for people, but the truth is, is that you are slave to the auto loan, to the mortgage person, to whatever, and so you're not as free as you would be able to in order to do that, all right? Number three is this, God owns everything. God owns everything. Let me show it to you. Psalm 24, one through two says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let me say it like this. If God made it, he owns it. Okay. If he made it, he owns it. So let me make this very clear. God owns your money. You don't own your money. Everything comes from God. This is important for us to understand because this one principle changes the whole thought on how we look at money as a Christian church and, and as a Christian that you don't actually own it. 
He owns it all, which brings me to, to number four. The fourth thing that God says about money is this. Because he owns it, he wants you to manage his money. He wants you to manage his money. So guess what? We're in a job interview right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? You're hired. Everybody's bank account in this room, all right? Listen, listen. Everybody's bank account in this room is not yours. It's God's. And he's called every single one of us to be stewards, but we're all hired. He's made us all managers. You're not an associate anymore. You're management, all right? You made it, all right? You're there, okay? And the Bible term for manager is steward. Steward means this. It means uh, one who manages the wealth of another. And you manage the wealth of someone else. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We also see it in the Gospels, this theme of God wanting us to manage what he's made and what he's created. Let me show you in verse 26 of chapter 1 in Genesis. Literally 26 verses into the Bible, we already see God telling us that we are called to manage this stuff. Look at this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, our, because it's the Trinity, right at the beginning, our image in our likeness so that they may rule. That's you, that you may rule, that you may be a manager, that you may be a steward over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. It, and I, and I want to be clear, it's not that God has only called you to manage his stuff. He's also called you to manage his money. Let me show it to you in the Gospels. Jesus says in Luke 16, you have it in your handout. He says this in verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with what? And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with what? So if you have not, listen, so he's talking about what? Management. He's talking about you managing what he's called you to manage. And then he, he doesn't just say anything. He actually is talking about finances here. Look, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, what's that? Money, right? Then who's going to trust you with real riches? What are the real riches? It's not the car, guys. It's souls. It's people. It's eternal things. So listen to what he's saying here. He's saying that he's calling you to manage the little that he's, that he's given you. You don't own it. He owns it. And if you manage that well, he's going to give you more. In fact, if you manage your wealth well, he's going to trust you with eternal riches. This is incredible stuff. And so the question then kind of becomes from this is, so why do, why do we not manage our money very well? I mean, let's just ask the question, right? Like, like, why doesn't that happen? I mean, okay, I understand the world might not know how to do it because they don't follow the principles of God, etc. But, but why doesn't the church do it better? Why do, why are Christians almost in as much debt as non-Christians? Well, I got some thoughts that I'd love to throw on you, throw to you. They're not on your notes, but I figured they were important. Uh, number one is this. I just think we just don't know how to. I just think simply, uh, maybe for some of you in the room, you've never even heard some of these principles and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. That's what this is about, right? And so maybe you just, you've never learned how to have a budget and, and walk through some of the steps that we'll talk about today. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just starting out. You just never knew. Maybe the second thing is that I think we're greedy. I just think, I, I just think, I think the truth is, is that we would rather build our own kingdom than build his kingdom. 
And so we're going to live according to our principles, even though we're only, you know, between the ages of 20 and 60 or 70 or whatever the things. We only have 50 years of maybe experience, even though God's like been around forever. Right. But we'll do it our way. And so uh, we're greedy. I just think I think we're selfish, honestly. Um, Number three, let me just give you another one. I think we, we want everything right now. We're unwilling to wait. So we position ourselves where we, where we can't manage our money. We got a house that we couldn't afford for, uh, to live with people we don't know. I don't know. Like we got a car that's greater to impress people that don't even like us anyway, right? And so there's just that, there's a part of that. We just, we can't wait. We want it now. And so I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get it now. We're that microwave generation. Uh, then the last one I think is just, is that we just want to keep up with the Joneses. And I, I don't even think we do it intentionally. It just happens. Like school year just started and, you know, your kid gets out of the car and he has those ugly looking shoes. And then the next car down the thing, their kids got these awesome looking shoes. Now you're Amazoning like, okay, all right, we're going to get it. Cause I just, man, my kid, I, I'm, he's going to be the next president. He's got to have better shoes or else he's not going to be the next president. So uh, right. I mean, there's just this sense. And so we just forget. And so that's why like a message like this is so important because hopefully for some of us, this is brand new, but for many of us, we're just like, Ooh. right. Because we just get kind of caught up. And so they went on that vacation. And so, man, we, we're going to go on offensive. Oh my goodness. It hurts. It just hurts me. Crazy. So there's a few there. All right. So the question you asked was this, how do I manage my money? How do I manage my money? Number one is this. If you have it on your handout, it's this. Know where you are. You, this may shock you, but this is actually a huge passion of mine is to see people manage their money right. When I was 21 years old, we bought our, we bought our, we bought our house. And uh, when I, I, I worked my way through college, uh, almost pretty much debt-free, I saved up about 10 grand in college. While everybody else was going out to watch movies, I figured out how to flip some items on eBay to make a little bit of extra money. Somehow I was able to get $10,000. And the moment I turned, I graduated college, I bought a house. And uh, even right now, our equity is, is pretty high on the home that we're at. When I first got in there, I had a 10-year plan on my on our next home and how we're going to, and I know not everybody's wired like that. I'm just telling you, this is the way I'm wired. All right. When my wife and I got together, we said, Hey, we're going to, let's have a baby. I'm pulling out spreadsheets and laser pointers. You know what I'm saying? Just like, it's just the way I'm wired. Right. And so even when I talk to people about their debt load and they, they're like, Hey, you know, could you help me? And immediately I overwhelm them with like 17 action steps on what they can do. And they're like, Whoa, I'm good. Just, I'm going to not do that. You know? And so, um, because you know what I am? I'm a bean counter. There's a difference between, how many y'all are married in the room? Cool. All right, great. How many y'all are single in the room? Looking. All right, just look around. Cool. All right. Helping you out, man. Come on. Don't hook up in the club, man. Hook up at church. You know what I'm saying? Club's expensive. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so the married people in the room, all right? Uh, one of you is typically a free spirit and one of you is a bean counter. The bean counters right now are nudging the spouse going, yes, this is awesome. Tell them we're coming back. Where's the podcast at, man? Let's roll. Go preacher. Right. And the free spirits are like, what am I doing here? We need to go to lunch. I feel like I feel something coming on. I feel like I need to leave. Right. And 
And the, the bean counters are like, yes, we're eating. We're not going out to dinner. We're eating ramen today. We're going to get, you know, shoot, you're on your phone right now cutting your cable bill. You know, you're just like, yes, let's go. Right? So I'm a bean counter, right? And, and, uh, and listen, I, I know that this is such a simple principle. I am blown away when I ask people that make great money and not great. I love my position because I'm in a position where I eat lunch with, with people that make millions of dollars a year. And I make lunch, I eat lunch with people that are living off of welfare. I mean, I, I, like as a pastor, you are able to see both of those things. I'm telling you, these principles work. And it's amazing to me when I see people that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they couldn't tell me how much they have going on in their life. And then they don't have any more debt or they don't have any more equity than the person that makes $50,000 a year. So this applies everywhere, these principles, right? And when I talk to people, I say, so how much debt do you have? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. So well, we, we, I, I know this is simple, but, but you, and you may be here going, you're right. I, I don't know those things. How much is your interest rate on your credit card payment right now? How many credit card payments do you have, right? What's your student loan interest rate? What's your plan to pay it off, right? All these things are basic and the bean counters go, yeah, well, that's a no brainer. And the free spirits are going, what? Budget? There's a, how do you spell that? Right? It was just, right. There's just that, there's just that sense, okay? And so here's some questions that you need to ask yourself. And here's just a few, but how much income do you have? How much debt do you owe right now? Do you have a regular time to check your financial status? Like, do you, do you have some time in your day or week or something? Is there a time when you do that? I'm going to give you a great app that my wife and I have used. It's really, really helped us. I'll give it to you in the next point. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you have a scheduled time to talk to your spouse about finances? How many of you have ever been in, a, in an argument over finances with your spouse? Don't raise your hand because everybody would, right? Okay, that's, so um, it's funny because my wife's a free spirit and she ain't here today. She's actually out of town as I preach about this. My one chance for her to hear this message and she's out. Let me tell you what we do. So we have, we have a time. I know this is crazy, but my wife doesn't like to talk about finances or our financial status at 11 p.m. at night. Go figure. That doesn't even, what? And so I had to adjust to that and we had to learn how to have conversation about it. So we actually, I know this is crazy and I'm a, I'm a fairly scheduled guy. Uh, I, we Google calendared Sundays at 7.30 to plan out our baby calendar for the week on who the heck is gonna watch our kids and what that looks like. And then the second thing is we do a financial update. So we do it at Sundays at 7.30 and, and our run rule is that it has to be over coffee. Y'all, I don't even like coffee. I don't even enjoy, I don't even enjoy it. I'm trying to learn how to like it, but my wife does not want to talk about finances unless a cup of coffee's in front of her. So I don't know what works for you, but I'll do it. You know, I'm a coffee lover if that's what it takes for us to get together. Now listen to me, because it's important for you guys to be on the same page. And it's important, especially my wife and I, two years ago, when we did the reach campaign, we really made some sacrifices. We cut out cable. We cut out some stuff. We tried to shave some things together. Uh, we limited our vacations and what those things looked like. And if we're not on the same page, that can, that can create a gap between us. Instead, it can bring us together. And what I don't like is a bean counter is that if I don't watch it, my wife just simply lets me handle all the finances and she doesn't feel the pain or weight of it when we make a, cha a, a, a change where we go, you know what, we're not gonna have cable. And we feel the pain together. That's healthy. 
Or there's other times where, you know what, we have a budget and, and you know what, we get together and go, you know what, we're going this weekend and we're going to get away and we're going to spend hundreds of dollars that, that, that wasn't in our plan. And as a bean counter, I'm cool with that as long as we actually factored the costs. That something has to give in order for us to do this. So it's so important that you really are on the same page. And I just want to talk to the free spirits for a second. Help your bean counters out. All right. They want to just they want to know that, you know, what's going on. All right. That's it. I mean, they don't they don't they don't really don't even want you to manage it because they're incredible at managing it. I'm sure they've let you know. But just you got You got to let them know what's going on. Number two is this. All right. Be proactive with a plan. Be proactive with a plan. Proactive simply means creating or controlling a situation by causing something to happen rather than responding to what has happened. In other words, you better tell your money right now today where it's going to go, or your money's going to tell you tomorrow where it's going to go. Either you're going to happen to your money or your money's going to happen to you. And too many of us live reactionary in our finances and wonder why we are in debt. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to be proactive with a plan. Everybody say this with me. I need a budget. Yes, you need a budget. Here's some basic budget principles. The budget you, that, that you build needs to actually have you living on less than you make. Let me, go, let me tell our government that. Government, guess what? We've got to live on less than what we make, right? Okay, let me just say it. Let me say it again for you, all right? You've got to live on less than what you make. So when you do a budget today or this week, and at the end of it, your expenses are $500 more than your income. You're in trouble, all right? That's just, that's not gonna work and you need to make some decisions to make some changes there to be financially responsible. Proverbs 21, five, five, 5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to what? You know, budgeting is hard work, isn't it? It's another full-time job. You already got enough full-time jobs. It's a full-time job to manage your money right. It's a full-time job to keep self-disciplined. It's one thing to have a budget, another thing to actually do it, right? That's the challenging part. But he says good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But if you take shortcuts, you will be poor. That's what the Bible, that's what, that's what this is saying. Hasty shortcuts do not work. And that's why we got to be smart with our money. Um, Here's some action steps for you. And I think this will really, really help. Number one is this. I don't know if you know about this, but there's an app that my wife and I have used for about the last eight years of our life. It's really helped us. It's called mint.com, www.mint.com. They should pay me for this. It's free. And uh, this is what it does. It's, it, if you feel comfortable with it, it taps into all of your bank accounts, but it brings them to one interface where you can see every single account you have, every debt you have, your retirement fund, how it's done. You can see your net worth. Um, it's a great tool. I've, I've talked to many of our leaders here and I've kind of helped them get on this plan. You can also budget with it. Here's some really cool things about it, all right? Um, you can set up alerts through your email and to your text message like this. Let me explain. For example, you have a $600 food budget for the month, all right? You could set up in Mint that when you get to 75%, it's gonna text you and let you know that you're 75% of your budget and that you have this many days until your budget turns over. So it'll automate 
those important things in your life to help you make better decisions on what that looks like. Dave Ramsey, which is uh, my financial hero, um, he suggests an app that they created called everydollar.com. Once again, it's free. He talks about an envelope system that I'm not going to get in today. Once again, this, this message was not about how to get out of debt, um, but you could do that. Both of those will be great resources for you to know where you're at. You've got to have a plan. And these apps honestly make, give you no excuse to know where your finances are. It's very, very simple. And I promise you will help like crazy. And the last thing that you could do today, according to this, with having a plan is that you could get in Financial Peace University. I'm going to show you a video in just a second about it. But our small groups actually launched they're launching in three weeks, but today you can start signing up for our fall semester of groups. One of these groups in here is Financial Peace University led by Larry and Kim Sargent, and they are so passionate about helping you get out of debt. And here's, and I just want to be very clear, uh, this, what the video that I'm about to show you, our pastoral team has already talked, this class, we want to see every person in our church go through this class. So this isn't just for the people that are, that, are, that are struggling financially. We want to see you, not your neighbor. I want to see young people, age 19 and 20. I know even I, I can see that there's a young couple in here, Travis and Amber Ratliff. They're going to be going through it this, this, uh, this, this semester, and you do not want to miss it. Check out this video about Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University began about 20 years ago. And now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course. This is the place where we start happening to our money, where we start aiming our dollars at our goals. You gotta make your money behave. You work too hard to get to the end of your life and be broke. There's a massive group of people out there trying to sell you stuff. They want to interrupt your plans. Don't cash out your 401k. I know your 401k looks like a 201k. Remain calm. The only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off. God's all in this thing. He's all about fixing you. He's all about fixing me. There's a redemption story built into this whole thing. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. Now, this is a boot camp. I'm your coach. I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two, but it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Or you say, I had it. This is how you get out of debt. You got to run for your life. You got to run, 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 run. You got to bust it. You got to go like your life depends on it. What would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God were out of debt? How much of this world could we as believers change? Cool, huh? And you can sign up for that on your connection card. I'll walk you through that at the end of this message. Listen, this is your moment. Maybe this message is the turning point in your life financially to get into FPU, to get serious about your money, to get in a group of believers and get serious about getting free financially in the position yourself. Number three, third thing today, and then I'm done, is trust God with faith and wisdom. So we got to know where we are. We need to get proactive with the plan. And a part of that plan has got to be trusting God with faith and with wisdom. Do you know that God calls us to tithe our first 10% to him? In fact, that's what a tithe means. It means returning 10% of your income to 
to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. And it must be set apart to him as what? As holy. Your first 10% of your income is holy to God. It means a lot to God, which is which my final fill in the blank for you is this. We return our tithes and we give offerings. If you notice when we receive offering at the end of our messages, normally we will say something just like that. Hey church, we're going to return our tithes today and we're going to give our offerings because guess what? The tithe is never yours, right? You can't give what's not yours. So we return it. We just simply, it flows through us, but it's all his. And he says it's a test of faith for us to put him first in our lives. And when you tithe, it, is, it, it releases faith uh, in your heart towards God. It really does. And it is a test of faith to put him first in, in your lives. Proverbs 3 verse 7 says this. I love this passage. It says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Let me say this again. Listen to me. Stop trying to do this your way. Don't, don't walk out of here and go, yeah, whatever. God's principles don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear God. Fear him. And shun evil. Get away from evil. The Bible says this is going to bring, listen to me, I want this for your life. This is going to bring health to your body. And it's going to bring nourishment to your bones. And listen to what he says. So honor the Lord with your what? Wealth. With the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Uh, I, I, let me explain this very, very simply today. I got a $10 bill here. In fact, can we throw that, that, uh, that graphic up on the screen? This week, you received 10 $100 bills. I got some pop, a pop quiz for you today, all right? Here's my first question. How much of this, okay, you received these, all right? They're in your bank account today. How much of these $10 bills do you own. Good job. Very good. Yeah, that's right. You own none of them. Now, let me ask you this. So God's called you to manage his money. Okay. So how much of these $10 bills has God called you to manage? Not all of them. 90% of them, right? Because the first 10% is never yours to even manage. In fact, Malachi says that if you don't return the first 10%, that was never yours in the beginning. In fact, you're, you're a thief. That's what the Bible says in Malachi 3. It says you're robbing God if you don't return. Because what do we read in Leviticus 27? It's holy to him. It's a big deal. So God's called us to manage the 90% and simply return the 10%. Do you know that the, according to generouschurch.com, the average American gives 2.6% to the church? Well, far below a 10% tithe. And definitely, we feel like tithing is just, a, is just a starting point. Let me ask you this. I don't know where you're at. Once again, this isn't a message on tithing, but this is a message on managing our money. Let me ask you this. If, if you are the only person in our church, could our church even function off of what you tithe? In other words, if this place, if this place multiplied your percentage of generosity, would, would, the, would the doors even be open? 
The truth is, is that here, the reason why this is here today and the church is here today is because there are people in this room that not only tithe, but give above and beyond that. I've never seen a person that tithes that, that hasn't walked away saying, I'm way more blessed because I tithe than, than not. I've, I've never met it. I've never seen it. I know in my own life, I, I feel the same way. And so I want to encourage you to tithe. Let me ask you another question. Is it more wise to manage your money your way or God's way? So why don't we? Once again, hey, you asked for it, all right? <laughs> all right? So, so why don't we? Why, why, don't, why don't we put him first? Why, don't, why, why do we get loans that we can't control, et cetera, et cetera, right? Let me ask you this, all right? Here's, here's another question. Do you think that God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%? Yes? So why don't you let him? And once again, I'm not trying to beat you up. Obviously, there are great people in here that, that give. And some of you that you're stretching in this area and you've never heard this before, and that's awesome. But I want to encourage you today just to, to trust God with faith and wisdom. And the reason why I also added wisdom in there is because I didn't want to just simply say, hey, tithe, but still have a crazy cable bill that you shouldn't have, have a dumb car that you shouldn't have, right? That's not what we're talking about here. Yes, tithing is part of it, but God, God is not just honored with your tithe. He's also honored with the way you manage. And when you manage his money correctly, according to Luke chapter 16, he's going to give you more. In fact, he's going to trust you with, with heavenly riches. And man, that is my heart for every single person in our church. You know, tithing points our hearts towards God. It really does. It points our hearts because you know what? Our heart follows our treasure. Let me show you Matthew 6, 21, and then I'm done. Wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. Listen, so I say all that to say this. Tithing has nothing to do with finances and has everything to do with your heart. It has everything to do with your heart. You know, I am so in love with my two kids. And one of the, one of the reasons is partially this, this principle. Because I've invested a lot of money into those jokers already. <laughs> right? Come on, some of y'all got kids like 20 years old. Man, you spent like a half a million dollars on those jokers, right? And they don't want to eat their plate at the end of the night. You're like, you're going to be kidding me, son. I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> Why are you so in love with your kids? Obviously, I know they're your kids, but there's, there's, there's a, such a true principle here, right? It's funny when you talk to, I had a small group. This last thing, I got some people in our small group. We talked about everything you're not supposed to talk about in small groups, politics, like all, all the hot topics. You're kind of, you know, stay away from those. This, that's typically what you're not supposed to do. We did all of them. And we were totally fine talking about politics and all that. The moment you started talking about which theme park was better than the other, it was like our, our small group house was it, you know? You know why? Because half of our small group had passes to one. So guess what? Their treasure's there. They're all about there, right? And then and another half had it somewhere else. And so their treasure's there. And so they're just, they, you know, that's where they're at, right? And, and I'm telling you, your heart will be so different if you would step out in tithe, really. And maybe you can't get there today. I, I believe you can. I, I think that God will show up in your life. I know that God will show up in your life when you put him first. Um, but I'm telling you, your heart will be transformed towards him. It will do such a, such a great work in you. And I want to see that in your life. And so let me just end with this. What would it look like if we did this? What would our city look like 
if we actually lived according to the principles of the word? What would our church look like if we were out of debt? What would your giving look like if you did not have a mortgage payment? What would your tithing look like? What would, well, there would be generosity. Like, like what, imagine you with somebody that's in need and you not having to say, come on, because there's great, there, I, I mean, I am so blown away by the heart of our church. I really am. And I know you see people on the side of the road and you want to make an impact and you want to do something about it. Or you see a need on Facebook and you want to make an impact. But the truth is you don't have any money to. Right? Like you have a heart to, but we just haven't done the management part to make sure that we're there. And I'm telling, I don't know about you, but maybe I'm not in the right room, but I think I am in the right room, man. This is us. Man, I just, I just, I just see us as a church of strong families that are managing our money, that are living well under our means and positioning ourselves to make great impact into the kingdom. Amen. Come on. Isn't that right? You can do it. I'm telling you, you can do it. Know where you are, get proactive with a plan, and trust God with faith and wisdom. Would you pray with me?